BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Freckled Foodie and Friends, a podcast focused on making healthy living approachable, hosted by yours truly, Cameron Rogers. Hello, everyone. It's Cameron. I'm here at Samsung 837 in the heart of the meatpacking, and I'm here with kind of an out-of-towner, but not really. (laughs) You feel very New York, and you're coming back, so temporarily out-of-towner. Lisa Haim, founder of Fork the Noise, Noise and the Well Necessities. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to have you here. And it's hard for me to say fork the noise and not fuck the noise yeah, because I one. say the F word so Good. Times. I love that. You could say that. That's the intention. Okay. So today it's fuck the noise. Yeah. Um, welcome and thank, thank you so you. much. This has been a show that I've long wanted to have. Oh, I've you. admired you from afar and then closely now that we're like friends um, for a while. And I really, I know I DM'd you this after the episode of Diet Starts Tomorrow, but I am so enthralled by the manner of which you speak in the sense of you're very passionate and it's very clear that you're passionate about your work, which I am so admirable of, but also you're really fucking smart. And <laughs> I know you're good friends with Carolyn Brown yes, and I had her on here. smarter. And one of, one of the things I said to her was I was like, I would be so annoyed if I was as smart as you both of you, and had so much knowledge in the space and school behind me and did all this stuff to get the title of RD and the degree. And then so many people on the internet just acting like they know what they're talking about. And Carolyn was like, thank you for acknowledging that, but I don't get annoyed. It's just like, okay, I know I know these things. Mm -hmm. And I think when you speak, it's very evident how much you know. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I mean, I don't think I'm smart. I think I worked really hard to get where I am. Um, really, that's the truth. Like when it comes to yeah. school and science and all that stuff, I, it's not natural for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I'm emotionally intelligent, which is why I'm yeah. able to connect with people. Um, and I'm, I can articulate my feelings. You're very articulate. That's the right word. Yeah. Years of therapy, my whole life in therapy will, you know, taught you how, taught mm-hmm. me how to do that accidentally. Um, but when it comes to like, um, I take a, maybe a slightly different approach than Carolyn, and I'm not sure what she's even referring to, but I also like, you know, don't look on the internet for things that will bother me. So true. when it comes to things like... No, that was me saying that to No, her. no, no, yeah, I know, yeah. I know. But what I meant, like, I, I, I feel no emotion because I don't mm-hmm. go looking for the things that agitate me. Um, but when it comes to health coaches and, you know, non-credential yep. registered dietitians, people mm-hmm. that are just nutritionists, um, I always go back to the place of, like, if... If everyone's goal is to make people healthier, mm-hmm. then there's room for all of us. Um, where I draw the line is is the fact that when dealing with somebody's health, 
Mm-hmm. It is very complex. Yes. And a lot of health coaches don't know what they don't know. The same way I don't know what I don't know mm-hmm. when it comes to other things. But I yeah. know when to refer out. Absolutely. And I think that sometimes having um, just a health coaching background or, or just a nutrition background can be limiting mm-hmm. if you just don't recognize where your boundary is. But yeah. as long as you're you know working with people in a way that is – responsible and mm-hmm. you know your boundary and you know when you know when to refer out or when to consult with a mentor. Yeah. Then, you know, if we're all trying to make people healthier, I'm happy about that. Yeah. And that's honestly something so I am te- technically a health coach and I was That was not yeah, I hope that was clear. I'm not oh, anti health coach 100%. is what I meant. <laughs> I just I totally picked up on that as well. Don't worry. Okay. But for me, I feel that I honestly feel like I have to make an even more extreme effort to make it very clear. Like I don't want to coach you on nutrition aspects or things that you should be working on a dietitian with. Like that is not my, I feel very stupid's the wrong word, but I feel very uneducated in certain fields of the space that people assume I have an education on. Mm-hmm. And I think it's triggering for me because a, I just don't like feeling dumb, but B it's the overwhelmingness of I don't know what I don't know. Right. And there's so much information I don't fucking know. Right. And so I make it very clear whenever I'm going into this. And even like on panels and stuff, they're like, so how did you get your – what's your background in nutrition? I'm like, <laughs> I don't want to be labeled. Like, it's not. Yeah. I would much rather help someone on like a life coaching aspect right. of like how can we make you the best version of yourself? Exactly. Not like how many calories are you eating a day? And what food are you consuming? But more like, how are you feeling? How are you going about these relationships? How is this all affecting you? Yeah, and I love that. And I think, I mean, that's really how a dietitian should work as well. True. We should all be guides. We shouldn't yeah. be um, telling people what to do. We should be guiding them into where they need a little bit of help to go, you know? Absolutely. Um, but I think that as long as somebody's not, you know, harming somebody's yeah. health, and it's hard to kind of know where that line is because people are on medications, people mm-hmm. have... You know, very few people walk in, even through my office, and say that they have no past medical history, whether they've had, you know, history of seizures or migraines or Mm -hmm. food intolerances. You know, most people have some sort of a medical history involved. And so to know how all these things interact is part of the puzzle that, yeah. I agree. So I know we digress a little bit from the very beginning, but how would you define success? Um, so my personal success, how yeah. would I define it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, my personal success would be um, truly feeling balanced and content with all aspects of my life. Mm-hmm. So I know that just business success would not make me happy and just relationship sex. sex oh my God. <laughs> relationship sex. Oh my God. Solely sex. <laughs> relationship success <laughs> would not make me purely happy. Um as as well, you know. So how do I figure out the the balance mm-hmm. between my alone time, my time with my significant other, and my business? So those are my three passions. Yeah. I would say right now, you know, yeah. self, the two of us, and mm-hmm. my business. And so figuring out that balance, which doesn't necessarily mean that I'm rich in money yeah. or anything like that, is is kind of where it falls for me. Yeah, and I definitely appreciate the fact that time for yourself is one of those because it was interesting. I had a guest on here, um, Nicole Lappin, and we were talking about just the idea of a female and where we 
value things and where our time should be spent. And mm-hmm. she asked me, like, what are the top three? I forget the exact amount. And I said myself, I was like, I'm very important, obviously. Right. Like, yeah. I have to give myself attention. Mm-hmm. And you have to heal yourself, especially in this field, before you can heal, help heal others. Mm-hmm. And she said how rare it is for females to put themselves as one of those important things. Oh. So now I'm very aware of it. And I'm appreciative that you're spending time to focus yeah, on yourself. kind of always. Um, yeah. I think I, I grew up in a unique situation where kind of had to get behind myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't realize that that was, you know, bolstering right. self-worth, I guess, mm-hmm. is what I would say. Um, but, yeah, I love, I love, I need time alone. Mm-hmm. And, like, how you said, like, like, you need to heal yourself before you heal others. I think that healing is an ongoing thing. Totally. I think we're constantly need to be checking our own boxes and checking in with ourselves and taking time to rest, to look inwards, to become self-aware mm-hmm. in order to show up in a relationship, in order to show yeah. up for clients, in order to, you know, yeah. No, so I they, agree. Show up online even. Yes, 100%. Or, or you spiral out of control. And we, I personally see people spiral all the time because they're not taking the time to check in with themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I'm very sensitive to like energy and emotions like that. Me too. So I could feel when people like are just not off riding their phone. too high. Riding too high. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. A hundred percent. Really and, well said. And my mom listens to all of these, so oh. I love you, mom. Before I say this, but I sometimes get that feeling when I'm home if I don't take the time for myself first. I and like my mom is a organized mess. Like, everything always gets fucking done, but it's always amazing to me how Mm. it gets done Mm because we're so different. And her hairstylist told her she walks in like a hurricane and she leaves like a rainbow. (laughs) And it's so true. And so when I spend mornings with her, sometimes it can be very, like, it's just go, go, go. And for me, it's a lot. Mm -hmm. And if I don't take the time beforehand to ground myself, Mm -hmm. I just feel very, like, Elevated, I right. guess, is the right word. And it's, you've even like gone a step before that to say, "I know what I need." Yes, before giving your, it to yourself, which but is that's really time, obviously. Such so it does. Yeah. Yes, yes, time and therapy. Yeah, I love my therapist. Um, so, can you tell us a little bit about Fork the Noise? Yeah. So, Fork the Noise is my are my online programs that teaches real tools to listen to your body. So my whole life mission is mm-hmm. to not just tell people to listen to their body, which we hear a lot of, Tons. but yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Because that's frustrating mm-hmm. um, to most people and, but rather to teach tools to listen, honor, and trust that the, your body is your guide. Mm-hmm. Um, and the body is sending incredible signals all day long and everything that we've learned to do overrides that. Um, we live very fast-paced lives you know obviously diet culture is huge Mm -hmm. but we also just do a lot of things where we never check in and honor ourselves yeah so how do we fork the noise Mm -hmm. (laughs) and listen to ourselves and it's a when it comes to being anti-diet it's not you know a lot of people take the notion of fork the noise i'm having a donut fork the noise yeah which great i'm happy like you know you're still challenging yourself Mm -hmm. but it really goes beyond the true meaning of fork the noise is not like just have a donut and beyond it goes do what you need to take care of you yeah and block out the noise of everything else Mm -hmm. so it's my they fork the noise are I have two programs out right now. Mm-hmm. One is Fork the Noise Fundamentals. That was like my introductory course that sort of sets the tone for what I do with my clients one-on-one. Okay. 
Um, and then I just launched last week Ditch Diets for Good, which is I'm so excited about because it is a cheap product. Awesome. Yeah. So it's $19.99 and $9.99 through um, March 2020. Wow. Yeah, so this was not created to make me rich. Yeah, <laughs> obviously, um, this was, cre- and it also the the cost doesn't equate to its value. Mm-hmm. I put information out there in Ditch Diets for Good that I thought everybody needed to know. Yeah, um, and so I created all that information, put it on paper. What does everybody need to know? And actually worked backwards. I tr- I chose the price first. I want to create a product that's this much. Mm-hmm. And this is what I want it to do. And then I just infused everything into that. And is this might be a stupid question, no, but is it like an not. online module? Oh, or? yeah. So all okay. Fork the Noise right now are all my Fork the Noise courses are online. Um, Ditch Diet for Good is different than Fork the Noise Fundamentals because mm-hmm. Fork the Noise Fundamentals teaches my modern mindfulness techniques for learning to listen to your body. Mm-hmm. Ditch Diets for Good is like, meant to just, like, give you the truthful information that nobody's giving you. Right. You're not supposed to do any sort of action. There's no worksheet. There is a worksheet to, like, follow along. Mm-hmm. But it's not action-based because it's I don't... It's just inf- informative. It's, is that the It's right informative yeah. and it leads to action. Mm-hmm. But you're not... You can't fail here. It's right. just open your mind to hear the information and see how it sort of trickles through your brain and starts to show up in your life and your life's decisions. Mm-hmm. A, I'm really appreciative that you're taking the price and all of that into consciousness because I've had a lot of conversations on here, especially about Mm -hmm. how the wellness industry, no matter how approachable, quote unquote, I try to make wellness, like, unfortunately, the price of it all is really fucking high. And so it's not accessible for everyone. Mm -hmm. So I appreciate that. I'm also curious, and I don't want you to obviously give away any of like the key things with this course, but when you talk about listening to your body. I know I'm very grateful because I formed a relationship with my body yeah. where I've figured out over the many years of work, it's not like it came overnight, mm-hmm. what my body's craving and how to listen to those cravings. And I do think it's difficult for majority of the population. And I also think on top of that, it's frustrating when it's like, oh, just listen to your body. Mm-hmm. And then people are like, well, listen to my body means that I'll have a bacon egg and cheese for breakfast. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, that's the concept. And then it becomes like, oh, I'm having a cookie because I'm listening to my body. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Right, totally. And it's this weird equilibrium that you have to find of like where are you actually listening to your body? We're sure yes. you're having bites of things because you want to. Exactly. And maybe it's a whole bowl or maybe it's a few bites. But also like, oh, my body actually wants vegetables today. Exactly. Because it does go both ways. It, it goes my, – my philosophy actually, um, I believe in real food. I think it's mm-hmm. incredibly powerful. Um, I – believe that most people don't know how to distinguish what is real food versus what is not. Agreed. And I don't know if I'm, and listeners, I don't know if I'm talking to you when I'm talking, when I say most people, I'm talking about America. That may or may not be you. You have, you know, might have an audience that does know (laughs) very well what real food is. Yeah, I think we forget what bubble we're in. Right. So just when I, when I'm speaking right now, it's to sort of the general public of Mm -hmm. health. Yeah. And so most people don't have access to what we have access and they just call food food. Mm -hmm. And while I no means while I in no way mean to demonize processed food or packaged food, because Mm -hmm. actually, believe it or not, they serve a purpose for um, how we got out of the depression, how food, you know, there was, they didn't just come up overnight to kill us. This was, this was, the food industry is a reflection of what 
we've endured as a country. Mm -hmm. Now we've come a little bit too far where we don't need as much, mm -hmm. you know, heavily processed food and then to it survive. A profit, pro profitable industry right. for certain people to take advantage of. For sure. Um, so I think the most important thing is to, is to really teach what is the difference between real food and processed food. Mm -hmm. Or I don't like the word fake food. That's not what I mean. I call it like yeah. pseudo food. It's food. It's edible. It'll, it'll work in your body. It won't, mm -hmm. you know, it'll convert to energy. It'll do all the things. But what were we supposed to eat? Yep. Um, and I know that many people can actually take that and make it a diet and become fearful of what of I course. call pseudo food. So I do caution that. But my point is, is that when our diet is mostly real food, mm -hmm. that's what it asks for. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's brilliant. I mean, it, yeah. it allows our feedback systems to communicate better because that's how we we're meant to eat. So again, I'm not demonizing a food like Doritos, but I'm mm -hmm. going to use it as an example because the, the ingredients in it, the not the ingredients, the flavoring composition, mm -hmm. natural, not natural, whatever it is, is actually designed to keep getting better and better and better so you can't stop. Yeah. So the regular person eats Doritos, says, I can't have Doritos. Look, when I have Doritos, I eat all the Doritos. Right, I can't just have five. They go on to eat the Doritos, and mm -hmm. that's validated by the fact that they can't have just five because mm -hmm. the flavors are not stopping and they feel out of control. So that's sort of twofold. A, it's a mindset, but B, the the food that is not a real food mm -hmm. is making them eat more, make them feel yeah. like they're eating more. So they don't ever tap into the part of, oh, this food was engineered to make me eat more of it, mm -hmm. but rather I'm the problem. Right. When you eat food, a real food, let's just use a one ingredient food like strawberries, right? Mm -hmm. They're good. They're sweet. They're popping. They're juicy. They're all the things. <laughs> they're they're popping. Pop I don't know why I said popping. <laughs> it was a weird word. I really like that. They're popping. They're popping. They're popping. The strawberries are popping. <laughs> <laughs> um, they're popping. Yeah. Um, strawberry lip gloss. Lip gloss is popping. Maybe, maybe that's, that's where it came from. Left. Yeah. When you're eating strawberries, you know, it tastes good. Yeah. But actually, what actually happens in our bodies is the taste declines. If you actually pay attention to a real food, the taste of any true. real food is going to so decline. It's so many of the It's same not thing. even so many. It's yeah. called, um, what's it called? Taste, um, I, I have a different name for it. Taste-specific satiety, or I okay. think there's a more formal name for it, which is sensory-specific satiety, SSS. Mm -hmm. And basically, it's designed, it, our bodies are designed to help us eat a variety of food. So after a couple of bites, not mm -hmm. even... Um, so many, yeah. just a couple of bites, your taste buds, your enjoyment is actually waning. And wow. so that you are picking for different things. You know what I mean? Yes, which makes sense. Which is why buffets, you know, people associate mm -hmm. buffets with overeating where, you know, there, it's not that the you still have the same fullness, hunger, all that mm -hmm. going on. But when you're eating this variety of food, it's easier to overeat is the you theory. you try everything and that, yeah. Is the theory, right? And you want to try everything. You're not used to eating all these different things, but um, each thing is still going to taste equally as delicious mm -hmm. on that first bite, but the flavors wane per flavor. Yeah. Does that make sense? No, that does make sense. Yeah. And I've never had it explained to me like that. So it's really, really helpful. Okay. Yeah. I don't know if it was the most articulate, but- I no, hope just to paint the point. So that doesn't mean that you can't have Doritos, right? Right. And that's not what I try and push or, or even explain, but just to highlight that the body's feedback is brilliant and mm -hmm. in tune with nature. Yes. And that doesn't just mean vegan. That means any real mm -hmm. food, even animal product. Yeah. And so within Fork the Noise Fundamentals, yeah. for example, you're obviously providing this information. And then am I correct in assuming it's an actionable 
course where you're taking some of these things and putting them into action in your own life? Yeah, for sure. So Fork the Noise Fundamentals what is an introductory program. Okay. It's meant to set the framework for what modern mindful eating is. So what is modern mindful eating? Yeah. It grows out of traditional mindful eating, but it's not, um, you know, chew your food 20 times mm-hmm. or um, eat blindfolded or stuff like that. But I eat do... Eat blindfolded? I've never thought about that. Yeah. I know I've heard of it, but now that it's make like... Or eat alone and in silence, whatever, yeah. you know, whatever it is to kind of become more attuned to your um, to your body. They're helpful right. things that mm-hmm. I, I'm not, you know, saying don't do those things. Yeah. But that's not the tools that I'm teaching here. I'm teaching what I call inner and outer wisdom, not phrases that I made up. These are mindful eating terminology. Okay. And the inner wisdom is being able to listen to your body's feedback. Mm-hmm. And the outer wisdom is sort of what we just covered here, understanding the difference between a real food and um, a food that's been yeah. engineered. And I think it's... And putting them together. Right. And I think it's really interesting because when you get to a place, and maybe people listening have are in this place or they're on their way there or they want to get there. But I've always noticed, like take, take portion size, for instance. Mm-hmm. My whole life, I don't know why, but like I had to finish everything in front of me. Mm-hmm. And it didn't affect my physical being because I was such... A, I had a fast metabolism, and I was such an active child with sports. I never had to – I was very privileged in the fact that I never had to once be concerned about gaining weight. And I think I took that for – I don't know if advantage is the right term, but I guess I never really noticed that until I graduated college, mm-hmm. and that wasn't the reality anymore. Interesting. And you weren't as active anymore? I, yeah. I was sitting at a desk all day. I, I wasn't playing sports four and a half hours a day because mm-hmm. in college with lacrosse, we were literally – practicing for three to four hours a day, um, six days a week. So I really could have eaten anything I wanted and not had seen physical effects. Mm-hmm. Whether it was affecting my internal system is different, but I mean in I strictly weight gain. And I think I then became like, I love food so much, but the relationship, I almost noticed that I was like, as if I didn't know when my next meal was coming. Like I was living as if I was a malnourished like child who didn't have access to food. Mm -hmm. And it was this fear, I think, of – a lot of it stemmed personally from need to control Mm -hmm. and anxiety over being out of control. And so, for instance, when I would travel, like I'd have to have all of this stuff – And I'd have to make sure I was getting like a full meal because I don't know when the next healthy food is going to be around to the point where I was like filling myself unnecessarily Mm. with food. And sure, it might have been quote unquote healthy, but I was eating like absorbent amounts. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I just have the like image of me like finishing something and then grabbing for a chocolate bar before I had even finished my dinner and then finishing the chocolate and then grabbing for the ice cream before I had even and like just constantly go go going and now I think I'm finally in a place where like I can comfortably not finish a plate of food not because I'm like oh I don't want to finish it but because I'm like oh I'm full I don't Mm -hmm. need this yeah like the Soho house for instance Mm -hmm. Oatmeal breakfast is literally an oatmeal for four people, mm. which is shocking because usually it's so overpriced and like small portions. Right. But I had breakfast with my friend the other day and it came out and she and I looked at each other. We were like, who, who is this made for? Right. And like in, I thought to myself at that moment, like in the past, I would have probably finished it just mm-hmm. because it was in front of me yeah. and I felt like I had to. But it was really nice to acknowledge like I'm full now. Yep. I had 
enough food for me and I'm good here. Yeah. I mean, there's so much to unpack. That's a long tangent. No, no, no. There's so much good stuff to unpack there. And I went through the same exact thing when, um, yeah, I mean, every yeah. single meal leaving uncomfortably full, but at the same time, you know, my mind scrambling for when's my next meal. Exactly. Um, and it's a pretty phenomenal thing because mm-hmm. it felt so lonesome. And the more I talk about it and you talk about it, it's like we were all going, maybe not my friends, but, but a lot, of, people a lot of us were going through this. So like, what is it, you mm-hmm. know? Um, and I just want to bring up like a few points there where yeah. um, number one is, Especially when you're eating, there's a difference between feeling full and being full. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of healthy foods will make you feel full, but yeah. might not actually be filling or satisfying. Right. Meaning when if you eat, you know, three bowls of just, let's just say kale, just to mm-hmm. use it as an example, you're not getting many calories or food energy. Yeah. You're going to feel full. That's a food that's hard to digest. It's going to sit in your stomach. It's going to expand. Sit, expand, sit on mm-hmm. your proprioceptors all up on your stomach, like if you wore tight pants, right? It's yeah. Like, put yourself in tight pants or eat a lot of kale. You're going to feel that yes. <laughs> that um, expansion. The stomach's elastic, and when mm-hmm. it gets to its outermost part, it feels full. Mm-hmm. So a lot of healthy foods will make you feel very full. They might not necessarily be so filling. Yeah. Just to recognize that, like. Hunger, fullness, they are complicated topics because mm-hmm. they're they're multi-level, you know? Yeah. Um, and how do you go about navigating that? Um, how do I go nav- about navigating? Like navigating. Yeah. Okay, great. I understand your question. Yeah. I'm sorry. Um, how, do you, how do you know? Exactly. What, how much food? So yeah. going back to like Fork the Noise Fundamentals, why it's the fundamentals is because I'm talking about inner and outer wisdom. Mm-hmm. So that outer wisdom is so key to know, okay, I know that I just ate kale and even though I feel full right now, yeah. I might be hungry very soon after this. So and what do I have okay. going? Yeah. That's okay. But what do I have going on next? Like mm-hmm. if I have to sit in class, I'm not in class anymore, but if you're a student, you have to yeah. sit in class for the next three hours. Is that the best choice for you? True. Should you eat something right now if you don't have access to food later? Mm-hmm. So every the point of action, I can't decide because it depends on it's your so life specific. situation, right? Yeah. But I can help you. Figure out, get you to think about what yeah. works for you. Ooh, sorry, mm-hmm. I hit the microphone. It's okay. Um, so I, I think that that it's that's sort of a good place to start. That being said, when you and I were in that healthy food space where we needed to, you know, only bring our healthy foods mm-hmm. with us on trips, and when what am I? I should eat so much right now because I don't know when. God forbid. God, for, yeah. what's going to be served at that next yeah. meal? Um, we're fearful eating, first of all. That's what mm-hmm. I call it now. And I didn't call it that then. Yeah. But we're eating past our point of comfort because we're afraid of what will happen when we're faced with hunger and yep. there's not an option that we don't have. Mm-hmm. And the problem here isn't really hunger or fullness. It's the lack of self-trust that yeah. we have to make a decision when we get there. And like, obviously, you and I are having very privileged conversations of to the course. point where we have never had a situation where food was not accessible yeah. for the next meal, you know, right? No, it's like, a very privileged topic. Right. Just just to be, you know, aware no, of you I, and I and what we've experienced, our personal. I'm always the first one to bring awareness to the privilege that comes with all of this. So I appreciate that. Well, actually, yeah. it, interestingly enough, people that are in, have that have experienced food, um, um, real food poverty, let's say, mm-hmm. experience the same things. Yeah. So I just want to say that ours come from True. a different place. Yes. Um, in 
like in in soup kitchens and stuff like that, you're hoarding your food. Right. Because they're out, but they're eating out of a serious fear. Well, not serious. We're all. It might have been. It's a fear for us as well in that time, but they're eating out of an actual fear that food it may not be accessible. Right. That's or what I just fear. wanted to say. Yeah. Okay. Yes. yes. Exactly. With you say, now. But the, the psychological component is the same. Yes. Agreed. And it's not self-trust for mm-hmm. them. It's access. Yeah. But to us, it, it kind of becomes a little bit blurry because, I right. mean, I during my healthy food days, it didn't matter. If the, if pasta was the only thing available for mm-hmm. lunch, I wasn't eating it, so it might as well not be have been on the table for me. Yeah, that's true. Psychologically, you're putting yourself in the same boat. Right. Not to, not, I mean, again, (laughs) not trying to make that comparison, just. No, but I I get what you're saying. Yeah. And I think it's, I think you've made the point. Yeah. Correctly for those listeners. Yeah. So it's, I think that like trusting yourself and trusting and and neutralizing foods Mm -hmm. is super, super important. So again, I know I started this podcast with like the Doritos example. Yeah. But. I also know that Doritos will work as food in my body. Mm-hmm. And therefore, if that's what I have access to, or if that's all there is, or I'm doing something more important that day, mm-hmm. I'm going to call on Doritos and that's okay that one time for yes. me. Like, or not that one time, but in that situation. In that situation. For me. Yeah. An extreme example, but. No, and I think honestly, for me, a big part of it was realizing like if I'm hungry, I can, I'm fortunate to be able to have food. And I can really eat anything. Mm -hmm. So it might not technically give me as much nutrients as a quote-unquote healthy option, but it will do its purpose in that time. And Mm -hmm. like letting go of that control was big for me. Exactly. A hundred percent. I mean, even last night we were at an event together. Yeah. And I I take it for granted, but reflecting back on like dinner last night, Mm -hmm. like I had no idea what I was really eating. I certainly wasn't paying attention to what was on my plate. I scooped it on, ate while I was talking. Same. And woke up today and I'm like, okay, what, what am yeah, I having? Didn't, what am even I think about it. didn't even think about it. And that is a big part of not just Fork the Noise, but in general is we are not taking time to um, get clear on our values. And I think it's something that we all need to be doing uh, consistently, like a few times a year, because it's very easy for you to get wrapped up in what you're doing or what you're thinking or how you're acting and not actually go back to the drawing boards of what do you value? And do you mean value across all aspects of your life? Mm-hmm. I do. What do you value? I think it has changed, but like one of the examples that like when I started doing these value exercises, mm-hmm. one of the things that I realized and made a shift was that I value humility and I val- and I value um, like charity and giving back. Yep. And um, just reminding myself that I care about humility in a social media world. Yes. And it's a hard balance was super important to me to come back to my roots of who Lisa is. Mm-hmm. And then charity, it allowed me to realize like, okay, I'm hustling in New York City. I'm trying to make money. I'm trying to build my practice. But if I go and I, I make all this money and I do all this and I look successful and I get all these opportunities mm-hmm. and I'm not giving back, I still won't be happy. Yeah, I agree. So I've shifted even my business to always be giving back with everything that I do. Mm-hmm. And therefore, I'm actually making less money, right? Yeah. But I'm actually happier. But you're happier. Right. And, and so a lot of what people go yeah. through with the food stuff is they realize that being thin or fit might be important to them. There's nothing wrong with that be- or healthy. And just mm-hmm. it d- doesn't matter what you're, you know, you don't have an obligation to try and be healthy. But if it is important to you, you're still allowed to have that in your value. But what I find yeah. is number one value, number two, maybe number three, isn't usually what people are prioritizing. Mm-hmm. So... um 
spending time with their family might be one, a relationship with somebody else, even self-time. Yeah. But that's being negated by what they can and they can't eat or how many workouts they have to get in or, you know, I have to go for a run. And whatever their story is, is robbing them from actually living out those values. And when you see it clearly on paper, Mm. you're no longer making these decisions out of fear. You're making them out of a true understanding of yourself. Yeah. And your values change over time. Totally. I mean, my values are completely different than what they were, call it five years ago. But I also think I've talked about that a lot in the sense of when I let, when I stopped obsessing over certain aspects of the wellness industry, whether it be healthy food or exercise or whether I fit in clothes that I wore in college, all of that. I created so much available brain space Mm -hmm. for so much more important shit. And I think that was the most eye-opening experience of this all because I used to work myself up over things that were so not a big deal whatsoever. Mm -hmm. But at the time, it was all I could focus on. And it really was – it was important to that version of myself. But it wasn't anything that was really – uplifting if Mm -hmm. that makes sense and so it wasn't bettering me in any way and it was taking up way too much space in my wonderful brain yeah exactly I think that you know you have really a true sense of self-worth which is what I Mm -hmm. try and get every student and client of mine to establish um, and understanding that even if you did nothing even if there was no freckled foodie or freckled foodie and Mm -hmm. friends Like you, it's clear to me that you have this, which is why I'm saying it, you know, you know that you bring something to the table, that you're worthy of love. Mm -hmm. And that's not what we ever, most people don't try and cultivate. They work on self-esteem, which Mm -hmm. is how people, how our perception of how people view us. Does that make sense? Yeah. Uh And there's nothing wrong with that. Like self-esteem is fine. We should build self-esteem. We Mm -hmm. should, you know want to do well in the things that we want to do well in. Mm-hmm. But self-esteem without a strong sense of self-worth will never lead you to happiness. Yeah, I agree. So it doesn't matter how pretty you make yourself or how strong you make yourself or how fit you make yourself or how skinny you make yourself. If you're not clear that you are worthy of love without all of that, mm-hmm. it, it doesn't matter how, how good that is. And it's also dependent on other people's view, which is you can't always be the best. You can't always be the prettiest. You can't always yeah. be the strongest. Even if you go on and win the gold medal in, you know, ice skating or whatever, mm-hmm. you're going to age out. Somebody else is going to – you're going to be in competition again. You're not always going to be number one. You're not always going to be number one. And it's actually interesting you bring this up because I think I've talked about this in my stories, but I don't know if a conversation on here has led to this. But the past year has been an interesting mental shift for me. And I've really struggled on how to say this because I never want it to be such a, like, ridiculous statement. But – I'm going to try. For me, growing up, I was always told I was very pretty. I guess that's like an easy way of saying it. Mm -hmm. And I think I took a lot of my self-worth in Mm -hmm. that without ever acknowledging it. Me too. And it was like, oh, yeah, I'm like the fit one of my group of friends. Like, oh, I'm the hot one. Like, whatever you want to call it. This (laughs) sounds so awful, but I'm just going to be very vulnerable and put it all out there. But... I think there was something that changed, call it like two years ago, where everyone's really beautiful Mm -hmm. that I surround myself with, which is an amazing thing, whether they're physically beautiful, emotionally beautiful, like they're beautiful people. And I started to notice this shift in myself where I was like, oh, I'm no longer constantly being told or hit on or acknowledged when I enter a room. And 
there was a weird thing that I had to sit with of like, I am more than that, Cameron. Like, chill the fuck out. This is not your like value of who you are as a human. Mm-hmm. And it I don't know. I mean, I'm still like on the I'm on the very like now I'm finally on the other side of it, but it's very recent to me. Yeah, I feel the same way. And I've had to have a lot of conversations with Joe about it, with my younger sister, like my mom of just being like, this sounds so petty and ridiculous to say, but I'm having a hard time not being the most admired one, mm-hmm. I guess is the- Or just noticed for that. Noticed for that. Yeah. And- And I think it also, yeah. like, I think you are how you show up. So- mm-hmm. Some you might have been, you know, if that was the trait you were flexing the hardest, yeah, energetically. I know that sounds weird. No, yeah, that's what people notice. Mm-hmm. And I say that because I feel the same exact way. This is actually a kind of funny story and like how we kind of laugh at it. But um, yeah. I was on the train yesterday coming from DC with my one friend from DC, happened to be on the train, yeah. And he's like, Come say hi on my train. I'm sitting with my boss. Sorry, he's he's a little bit creepy, okay. And I'm like, Okay, I'm like, I'll just go over, or whatever, I'll just yeah. hit on me, it'll be fine. And he didn't hit on me. <laughs> I came back to my seat and I texted my friend. I was like, I'm really offended that he didn't hit on me. Like, I'm joking about it. But at the same time, in my mind flashed like, that's interesting. He didn't even notice the way that I I looked, you Mm -hmm. know? I'm so used to. It's just something we're used to. Right. But a male, it doesn't, I mean, there's nothing about like. Any woman, like males just comment on their appearances. Yes. So I was like, it it did go through my mind. And I was like, I guess yeah. I'm not that hot anymore. You know? <laughs> um, yeah. But I think the truth is, is that we bring different energies into the room as we evolve. Mm-hmm. Like our, that is where our self-worth once originated or yeah. self-esteem, where we, we thought that was the best thing that we had to offer. Mm-hmm. And now we know that that's not. Yes. And I feel I've definitely the past year and a half struggled a lot with confidence. I think because while this was also happening, I all of a sudden was doing such a different career. And not only did that hit my confidence hard because I wore my job of sales and trading at JP Morgan like a badge of fucking honor. Mm-hmm. And it was my another way that I valued my self-worth. Mm-hmm. And so there was a mix of that, a mix of physical appearance changes, acknowledging like, oh, I'm no longer the most beautiful person in a group or in a room or being hit on the most. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, all of that happening while I'm now sharing a lot of my life with a camera. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, like photo shoots with brands. It's hard. And the critique that was going through my mind. So I've had a really hard time with my confidence the past year, I guess I'll call it. I think I'm on the other side of it. And I'm now really interested in the fact that when I finally sat with it, which I think is what changed everything for me, sitting with the emotions and realizing, like, I'm still worthy. Mm-hmm. I'm way more than all of that, those things. Mm-hmm. I deserve, like you said, to be loved. I deserve mm-hmm. these relationships. I deserve success in whatever form mm-hmm. I see it. When I finally sat with that and accepted it and, like, moved on from the stereotypical aspects that were hurting me so much, mm-hmm. I feel like I'm thriving now. Right. To the point where now I feel like people are saying things to me like, you just bring exactly. this positive light. and Well, you, listen to you the know. words that you said. You know, you have like this wellspring from within that's not functioning mm-hmm. out of fear anymore. It's right. functioning out of like, I am me and I am good and I deserve. Yes. And I swear people, like even people that don't believe in energy, at some point you start to believe it when I you feel the inner shift. Mm-hmm. And then the outer shift starts to happen where people are, are commenting on the, and obviously, do yes. you look that different? 
Honestly, no. Exactly. Like, I don't fit in everything that I once did. So yes, there are certain things that have changed, but I don't think I look that different. Right. So you're just you're giving off a different frequency of yeah. comfort, and people like to be around comfort and mm-hmm. confidence. I agree. Like they just they're attracted to it. I yeah. Mean, the most successful people are not necessarily the most beautiful people. No. Or it's symmetrical people. The people you want to be around. They're people you want to be around. They're comfortable in their own skin, and that doesn't mean that they don't do things to um like look better. Right. And I like to kind of always go back to that. So first of all, so I don't sound like a hypocrite because I don't feel like a hypocrite. Mm -hmm. You know, I have breast implants that I got at 18. I didn't know that. Yeah. Eight. They're really small. I was going to say, it's not like you're rocking around with D's. I know. That's the funniest part. Some people are like, yeah, are you sure? (laughs) Did that, are you positive? Yeah, I know. They're like, are you positive you didn't just pay and you didn't whatever. And I'm fine with whatever cosmetic surgery anybody wants to get or injections or Botox or any, I I mean, or nails or hair. I mean, where does, where do we draw the line here of what's Lashes. Where do we spray do? tan? Like, give me the confidence of a fucking spray exactly. tan all day long. And that's why going back, and it's taken me a long time to get this into words, and it really only came to my mind this week because, mm-hmm. I, like I said, it's not that I don't want to be a hypocrite; it's that I don't feel like a hypocrite right. by doing these things and telling people to feel good in their body. Yes. And the difference that I've come to conclude to this week is the self-esteem versus self-worth. Mm-hmm. If you are not if you have zero, if no self worth and you do these things to try and boost your self esteem, mm-hmm. you will end up with surgery after surgery after this after you're that. You're always going to be looking for more. You're always looking for more. Versus when you're doing self esteem things, it might boost your self esteem, mm-hmm. but it doesn't change who you are as a core. Right. And there's nothing wrong with wanting to boost your self esteem so you can show up as the truest version of mm-hmm. yourself. But I think for each person, this is going to look really different. Yes. And to always pay attention to what are you trying to accomplish. If it's you're not, if you're starting at not happy, trying to get to happy by way mm-hmm. of, again, lashes, haircut, hair, whatever Everything. it is, yeah. whatever maintenance it is, you're not going to find it there. Yeah, and that can also be restricting the food you're consuming. Yeah, or over exercising. Mm-hmm. Like those exactly. things also fall in that bucket. That hundred percent. And I also think, like for me, a twofold. I posted something on New Year's Day or. I guess, I don't remember when it was, in January at some point. And it was like, here's to 2020 being the year of living every day with the confidence of a spray tan and one glass of rosé. And like the spray tan thing is such a self-esteem thing. Mm -hmm. I love it. Of course, who doesn't love being, actually, I did meet the first person in my life that actively is not like being tan. Dale from Sweats in the City. Oh, her too? I don't know. She's, yeah, she said that. All right, well, there's another one. I have two now. Um, But for me, it's like, I'm fine. I'm comfortable showing up in my own form. But like, yeah, I like that added bonus. Sure. Like, yeah. I'm here for that aspect here of it all. It. But it's also acknowledging, like, I vividly remember at my sister's wedding feeling like, I guess we can call it on fleek. I mm-hmm. had my lashes done. <laughs> I had a spray tan. I just got a haircut. I was in this gorgeous, expensive dress that yeah. my mom had bought me. Yep. And I posted a video on my stories. And it was like a flood of like, oh, my God, you look amazing. And I was like, no fucking shit. Yeah. I have eyelashes done, a spray tan, a new dress, a haircut. <laughs> like, I better look good. So it's accepting also that like, even when people tell you you look good, like it's it's all circumstantial in those things as well. Right. It's it's not like I need to be told that twenty four seven, and it's accepting if I am told that under circum certain circumstances yeah. that they're coexistent yeah. at some point. I agree. So interesting to me. My friend was always joking. She's like, 
everyone that told me it looked beautiful at my wedding. I'm like, well, I fucking hope so. Do you know how many people like worked on this with hair, makeup? Like, of course. Uh, and it's fun to, you know, look like a, a I don't like the word polished, but like no, you're, it's you're fun done every up once self, while. especially yeah. like when I, I work from home and most days like I, I don't look attractive. In, yes. In my same. words, Evan will say I look attractive, which is God yeah. bless his soul. And good thing I married him. He always yes. tells me I look my pretty. And he's not just saying it. He actually likes when I look my most raw, so does but Joe. Would, right, it's great, great yeah. man. Um, but I don't personally look at myself in the mirror and be like, you know, you look, you You're look like a babe today. today. <laughs> yeah. But I have started to try and make myself a little bit more of a babe on work days that I work at yes. home because it does make me feel like myself. It also, if I that think, makes sense, it, no, I totally. putting on a tiny bit of makeup makes me feel like myself. Yeah, I don't know what or take that or leave it. But putting on normal clothes, it's like okay, I'm actually going to get shit done today. Exactly. Like exactly. I'm in a real outfit today, and I'm like I I feel efficient, and I really haven't honestly done much today yet. Right. Like if you put it on paper, I've dropped Charlie off at daycare. <laughs> I had a meeting, and like I met with someone on my team, but but I put yeah. on overalls. But I'm in. I actually wore these for you. I forgot I to tell them. you because I responded to your story and. I I was like, you reminded me that I can wear my overalls not only in the summer. Oh, my God. No, I love your overalls. Thanks. These are new ones, actually. They're from ASOS. They're They're really so cheap, and I love them. Um, Another question I have for you and someone else sent in. Mm. Evan, first of all, I love – I admire the fact that you wait to eat dinner with him on nights because Mm -hmm. that would never fly in my house. Um, like you wouldn't wait for no. I w- yeah okay like I love him no, to I the know. moon and back yeah. and I know it's really important to have meals together and mm-hmm. we make a conscious effort of it but each relationship has their own if he got things. home that late I know I I just yeah. wouldn't be able to do it so a kudos to you mm. but b he is vegan correct Evan is vegan and there I think you've talked about it before there's like misconceptions that you're vegan right so how the question someone submitted and mm-hmm. I'm actually curious about too okay. is how to navigate in a relationship when you might be following different food lifestyles. Yeah. So I think it's important to check in with yourself and, Mm -hmm. you know, doing what I do, I'm constantly checking in with myself. But if you're not me, you might not be constantly checking in with yourself. So for those of you that don't know my story, I was vegan for a few years and it's a big part of my disordered eating story Mm -hmm. because it's the first time I thought I found, we didn't have this word then, but what I called freedom around food, food freedom. But It came after um, a few years of attempted restriction Mm -hmm. where, you know, I was only eating grilled chicken and it was, this was 10 plus years ago where like healthy eating was like very limited in scope. Yes. It was like eat grilled chicken, only have berries, Mm -hmm. you know, non-fat yogurt, blah, blah, blah. Steamed broccoli. Yeah, try to not, you know, low calorie, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. So after years of restriction that I always quote unquote failed, like I always ate and ate enough, um... I found veganism and all of a sudden I was eating what felt like more mm-hmm. and um, didn't have to think so hard at, op- at at a restaurant, let's say. Right. Like I wouldn't scan an entire menu being like, oh, what can I have? So much was blacked out by what I couldn't have mm-hmm. that it felt the like. The restriction helped you. The restriction, at, I didn't realize it was restriction at the time, mm-hmm. felt like freedom because, oh, like, what, um, do you want a piece of cake? Oh, does the cake have eggs? Oh, can't have it. Yeah. Easy. Not, oh, I want the cake. I shouldn't have the cake. You know, it just like became. It's more black and white and less having conversations with yourself. Right. But it, it wasn't clear to me at the time of, of that. So I was a passionate. Um, I was never vegan by way of lifestyle, but I was passionate by way of vegans the best. I had more energy. My digestion was better. Things were, mm. you know, I was 20. Yeah. Um, I didn't know what health was. I just know I was. Where did you go to undergrad? Uh, University of Miami. Okay. 
Um, you. Yeah. And so I, I, I thought that was necessary. Yeah, I loved it. It was like popping. <laughs> the U was popping. The U and the strawberries. It's like all were the poppin'. guys when they on football when they like announce Ooh. the like offensive line and they all say where they went to college, you're like, duh. University <laughs> of Miami. Yeah. Um, so I think it's just important to know that I'm not vegan since that instance ended, mm-hmm. but um, I still do love plants and yeah. a, I love a non-labeled vegan diet. Mm-hmm. Like I don't, pe- most people that don't understand veganism think this is vegan food and this is not vegan food. It's mm-hmm. just food to me. Does that make yes, sense? It makes sense. Um, so anyway, Interestingly enough, Evan has been vegetarian since he was 11. Wow. And it stems from his love of pasta. Um, oh, I think I heard this Yeah, recently. it's a really weird story. Evan loves pasta, and he's never really been into meat. And he was at sleepaway camp, and, mm-hmm. like, on the last day of camp, he saw somebody getting a plate of lasagna, and he was they were serving, like, like lobster or something weird for a camp. <laughs> like, something that someone's like, are you sure they were serving yeah. lobster? And I was like, I don't know. This is what he told me. <laughs> And he was like, how are you getting the lasagna? And he's like, oh, I'm vegetarian. He didn't even know what the word meant. He, mm-hmm. So he like raised his hand and was like, oh, I'm, I'm vegetarian. vegetarian. Can I get the lasagna? And they were like, no, you have to have your mom send a note yeah. in. So anyway, next summer, Evan's mom sent a note that he's vegetarian. Oh, my gosh. And he ate pasta all summer. And he was happier than ever. And he never really liked meat. And yeah. from then on out, he was vegetarian. That's a really incredible story. It's a really weird story. But then when did he go to vegan? So he actually blames me, which is interesting because I'm not vegan. But when we started dating, um, and one day I have to like have him tell his story. Yeah. But he, um, he he never really learned how to cook, so he's always eaten most of his mm-hmm. meals out. And so naturally, like if he don't go to an Italian restaurant, he'd get you know pasta and it came with cheese and whatever. Yeah. When we started dating, I cook a lot, and I, like, have always loved, like, nut cheeses. This was, Mm -hmm. like, before Kite Hill even existed. Yeah. Um, There were, like, things that are on the market that, like, aren't even on the market now. Mm -hmm. This was, like, old – this was six years ago already. And so I'd buy, like, vegan cheeses because I always liked vegan cheeses better Mm -hmm. than real cheese. And all of a sudden, he started eating more vegan cheese, and he was like, oh, if I can have this, then I don't even want the cheese that I've been having. I don't even really like it. I just get it. Yeah. And it has made our life so much more annoying. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think you can convince him to go back? No, because he really passionately cares about it. Um, You know, he's a cardiologist, and Mm. he – it's part of his health story, not necessarily one that I believe in. Um, I don't think that vegan is the healthiest diet Mm -hmm. and I, he doesn't also believe that vegan is the healthiest diet, but the way that he does, it makes him feel good. He also sees things that we don't see. Um, I feel like I don't like really telling his, this part of the story because I no, don't want to misarticulate something that he would say here. You don't have to, we can, no, no, that's fine. But, um, for myself, um, we, you know, I don't love fish, but I eat fish Mm -hmm. because I think it's important for my health. Yeah. And so I'm just constantly checking in with myself and making sure that mm-hmm. I'm making the right decisions for me. Right. But you're not a vegan. Correct. Or a veg- or not a vegetarian, I guess, either. I don't eat meat, actually. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Like steak and stuff. Yeah, yeah, not yeah. interested in any of that. But I will say Love. that if I ever get the desire or... Then you would eat it. I would have to have a conversation with myself, okay. a very serious one, because I've there are now new components of the environment and stuff like that, yes. that I've come to, this was not the case when I was vegan mm-hmm. all for my, you know, self, yeah. if you will, 
there are certain th- aspects that I value, mm-hmm. um, as well as, you know, I haven't had to buy meat in a long time. So yeah. going about that, I know, is now a whole other process it's of very, buying organic. It's a, it's a minefield that you have to navigate. It's a minefield, yeah. So, and when I, you know, there's so we go through different life phases, and so I don't like like having any sort of food label mm-hmm. because I always want to be able to best be in tune I agree. with myself. And I think so. I don't really identify even as a vegetarian. It just sometimes people like to put me in a yeah. People well, a people love to put others in boxes. Yeah. So that's well, confusing. Why. Yeah. Um, I think also because people just like clarity and answers, and it's like, well, but then what are you? But also, a lot of people want it to know what they to, can to, be, yes. and I don't l- want anybody to mimic what I do because I don't necessarily think that what I do is best or healthiest. Right. I just know that it works. This is for what you. my body has been geared, mm-hmm. um, attracting. Yeah. For some time, um, and I will honor what happens and have a conversation mm-hmm. with myself and make sure I'm doing things for the right reasons. Yeah, and I. I like played around with vegan. So my mom was a vegan, I guess like 10 years. I don't know when it was. Maybe 10 plus years ago. Um, But, and I'd be, I don't want to tell her story, but I've talked about it on here. She has recovered from an eating disorder that was very severe when she was younger. And I think for her, she would even say like, it was kind of a stepping stone. It it was a stepping. No, because it was past when she had recovered, but obviously you always have Mm -hmm. when you have a severe eating disorder, it's always with you. And I think part of the veganism aspect for her was a little nice to have the restrict where you almost kind of fall back in that place. She is no longer vegan, but I was aware of the diet from like a young age. And I recently like just wasn't attracted to chicken mm-hmm. and yeah. I Sakara was like eating a lot of Sakara, and I was like I feel really good and so I was like you know I'm just curious how I would feel for a month mm-hmm. and I did it and then we were at a wedding and they were serving lamb chops and I was like I really fucking want that lamb chop and so I had one and mm-hmm. I was like all right this is vegan-ish quote-unquote yeah and so I think for me a lot of my days I actually will go through and then I'll notice like oh I didn't have any yeah technically I was vegan today right and that's fine and then especially when I'm about to get my period, I'm like, I'll, all I want is red meat uh-huh. or lamb. And before like, you get it. Yeah. Fascinating. And like right before and as I have it, which makes sense. A lot I'm of people say that, yeah. losing blood. Of course, Like yeah. it makes sense to me. And I think that has been so comforting. And again, not, you know, I, I've done Whole30. I was very limited in a sense where I was like, okay, you can have gluten and dairy once a week. Like I went through that whole phase. Mm-hmm. Like I definitely put more restriction on myself than I ever acknowledged. And I think living the labelless life yeah. has been very freeing. Although mm-hmm. I would technically say I'm gluten free now because I just don't tolerate it well. Okay. Yeah. But you better believe when I was in Italy I ate every piece of gluten under the sun. Right. Um, which I tolerated differently. Right, and I different. wish we lived in a world where I could eat that much and not react the way uh-huh. I do here. Yeah. But I do think it's so interesting and I I always am looking at your stories and getting new plant-based ideas, which yeah. I love. And nothing sparks my joy as much as Evan's vegan ice cream oh obsession God, because yeah, I sick. think he loves ice cream the same way I do. Yeah, it's intense. And you it makes come over. me – I would love Please to come, come over. over. Please help me make a dent in that freezer. Like – he he speaks to me. Yeah. So the cool thing about <laughs> Evan's relationship to food, um, and not to dissect my husband's relationship to food, <laughs> but he has a very healthy relationship to food despite mm-hmm. being vegan. And it's great to see because um, I don't know many people that have his 
his relationship to food. Yeah. Um, he has a very busy day, so he doesn't eat much during the day. So you'd think that he would come home and just go into like a full on binge. And he still doesn't. Yeah. He stops when he's had enough, mm-hmm. period. He never overthinks what he ate. He doesn't associate food with guilt. He thinks that, like, his mind is blown over, like, the stuff that we see on the internet in the diet world. Yeah, She's I'm like, sure. Is this, like, is this, is this real? Like, how could this be? Just yeah. eat food that you like is, like, what he, like, <laughs> yes, you know, believes. Yes, of course. Like, you know, he it's so simplified to him Yeah, that, like, it, he can't even wrap his head around it. Mm-hmm. So it's so interesting because even though he, he, um, Likes to identify as vegan. You know, everybody likes a sense of belonging. And for him yeah. right now, this is where he's at. Um, to him, it's not everybody should be vegan. It's everybody should eat what they like mm-hmm. and what works for them. And that happens to be vegan for him. And that happens to be vegan for him. What would you say your favorite characteristic is about yourself? Myself? Um, I'm really self-aware. Mm-hmm. Uh, my sister-in-law used to tell me that, and now I, like, understand it. I thought that everybody kind of was like this, and it, yeah. it can be a kind of really cruel trait. Mm-hmm. Um, I could also do this thing where I could, like, hear what people are saying in their heads. So you're telepathic? Nope. Nope. <laughs> I, I can't, like, I, something weird has been happening where I could, like, hear people's thoughts. Like, you actually are hearing them, or, like, as if there's a voice saying it, or you're like, oh, I know what they're thinking? Not like I know what you're thinking because you've made a facial expression. I can no, just, but like okay, it's it's hard to explain, but I could feel what you're feeling. If that makes any sense. Okay, That's but you're not bad. hearing a physical voice of not, like not a Cammie specific, saying no, thinking this. No, but you're feeling. But you might as the I might as well. Yeah, because I could feel what somebody's. But like strangers. Interesting. Yeah. When did this come about? Um, it's. I think my whole life I've kind of been feeling it, but I didn't yeah. realize what it was because, like, if other people are uncomfortable, I'm uncomfortable. You're like a reflector. Yeah, I guess. But recently I was, like, at dinner by myself, mm-hmm. and I could, like, feel the woman next to me. It was really weird. Did you talk to her? No. Interesting. I also love your love for eating alone because I have a huge love. love for eating alone. Love. Wish I got to do it more. Ugh, marriage. I know. I actually did this thing <laughs> two years ago yeah. where once a month I would eat, I made it a pact mm-hmm. because like Joe doesn't work like Evan's hours. Yeah. So there, most nights we are eating dinner together. Well, you are Just too. Just to clarify, I like to eat out alone. You know, same. Yeah. Same. Um, Not necessarily eat alone at home. I yes. like to go out to meals by myself. Same. Um, and then like if I was going to a restaurant, it would just like my, it was just like a packed social schedule. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, Cam, you have to make at least once a month a date at a restaurant by yourself. Mm-hmm. And I had this whole idea and it didn't end up working, but I really still think it's a great idea if anyone yeah. wants to do it where I would go, I picked one restaurant, mm-hmm. right? I started somewhere and where, well, I actually had started this venture at Cafe Clooney and I like to sit at the bar. And I would talk to the person, mm-hmm. bartender, and I would always ask, what is your favorite dish? I, I say this as if I did it a lot, but yeah. this was my idea. I <laughs> would ask the person, what is your favorite dish in New York? Yeah. And the next month, that would be my solo dinner. Wow. At that restaurant, eating that dish. Cute. I'm going to do this. You should do that. And then you should document it. I tried. And then it like I didn't like the dish she told yeah. me. So I was like, I don't want to go eat could- that. Maybe you can modify it slightly. Yeah. Or you get the dish and something you, that you want so that it's, yes. you get both. Fair, fair, yeah. fair, fair. Okay. Like, like I wanted him to give me a restaurant and he gave me like a noodle stand. And I was like, but the whole 
purpose is like I want to be eating at a restaurant got by it, myself. Got it. Got so that's it. where it kind of derailed. I see. I However, see what happened. They got like they I still like the plan. Yeah. So actually where my eating alone began is kind of interesting and kind of goes full circle to where we started here when I said I'm not smart. Mm-hmm. Um, I have had to get myself out of situations and I had to do so by getting good grades. So before mm-hmm. I got into University of Miami, I went to Florida State. Mm-hmm. And in order to get out of Florida State, I had to get into University of Miami. And in order um, to get into grad school, I had to do well at University of Miami. Right. And so... Um, I'm somebody that can study all day long, and I will study all day long. Mm -hmm. I love to study. I miss studying, actually. Same. But I require more time and, like, (laughs) yeah, I'm not, like, a photogenic memory. Mm -hmm. I'm certainly not an auditory learner. I'm a pen to paper. You write it 7,000 times until you either understand it or memorize it enough to regurgitate something you don't understand. My study guides in college were out of control. Exactly. I also was told I had the auditory processing of a second grader when I was in 10th grade. I probably did. I wish someone would have told me that. I had to do a lot of tests. It would have validated my inability to take Mm -hmm. in through through that way. Um, So... I would spend hours studying, a lot more than most people had to study, and I needed a change of scenery. So it would be, you know, I'd spend all day at the library, and then I was ready to get out of the library, but I still had to study. And I was like, well, I want dinner. So I wanted to go to a nice dinner where I could relax. And like in between the waiter bringing me the things, I was studying. Mm -hmm. And somehow, I mean, I remember doing it in college all the time, and it became this like thing with myself. And then in grad school, when I was living in New York City, same thing. I mean, Columbia was not yeah. easy for me. I had to, you know, I wanted to do really well. I had to do really well. So I'd go to like these little, um, like, what are they called? They're kind of like these like French bistros that are all around. Yep. That like, they're like dark. Yeah. But, like, I don't know what you would call it, but I know what you're talking about. They look like out of France, honestly. Yeah. Um, I forget the one that I used to go to all the time in the West Village. And I'd get a glass of wine and mm-hmm. eat and do my work. Yeah. And it became this, like, nice way to spend time with myself. Yeah. I, I think love it's, it. it's such an amazing And by the, speaking of the time. energy thing, like, people are obsessed with you when you're alone. Obsessed. Like, even the waiters, they're just, like, intrigued by you. Yeah, like, by what you. is this person doing? Yeah. And also, I think Everybody you, wants to help you. Everyone. Oh, my God. And you never get more free shit than when you're alone. Like, <laughs> I swear to God, I never get free, like, you know, extra drinks or any yeah. of that. Except for, like, there's one place where we're kind of now finally locals, but... Like, I, I, he'd be like, oh, the second glass yeah. is on me. It's like, I, I feel so badly for you that you're alone. Let me <laughs> give you. But it's not even that. Like, the way that, like, it starts with I feel bad. But and then, then it turns into, like, what is the confidence you have yes. that you're eating alone? Like, I want to know more about you. Exactly. That's exactly yes. what it is. I totally agree. And even I, like, I'm always like, I wonder what that person's story is. When I see someone alone, I'm like, I just want to get, I want to know this human. Yeah. Speak, yeah. So recently I did it on Long Island, which is like probably the world's most judgmental place on the planet, you know? <laughs> yes. Right? I um, think I've been there twice. Right. Yeah. You wouldn't yeah. like it so much. But yeah. you should come. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll come um, hang out with you. No, but I got dressed, put on my makeup, and I strutted yeah. through there. And I had honestly like the best time I've had in a while. It's really fun. And so many ideas. That's the other thing. Oh my so God. much comes to me. So many captions just came to me. Yes. I also love <laughs> Where reading. Where ideas go. Yeah. yeah. I agree. I totally agree. Mm. Speaking of food and the way I close out every episode, what would be the three ways to your heart through food? Like type People take it any direction they want. So I can give you like more direction. Yeah, more direction. So some people say a specific meal. Some people say like a general like 
genre of meal. Mm-hmm. Some people say an attribute that comes with the meal. You said three? Yeah, three ways to your heart through food. Three? I know, it's really hard. It's really hard. <laughs> um, and obviously these can be ever-changing, okay, I would like, so don't beat yourself up. Okay, if you I don't know think. if I'm answering this right, but I would really love my husband to cook me a meal once. Yes, that, that's I had to fair. teach him how to open a can with a can opener, <laughs> so this is not like a, something he doesn't want to do. It's just, it's a how thing. Yes. I would like him to cook <laughs> me a warm meal one time. Come on, Evan, you can do it. When I was sick recently, he made me ramen noodles, so. Wow. That it made it was a key to my heart. Yeah. One time I had this tiramisu and it was really good. I would like Evan to remember that I really liked it seven okay. years ago. <laughs> Do you know where it was? I feel like it was at Cipriani, which is really weird. I like still dream of a baked Alaska I had at my sister's thirteenth birthday at Rats, and it evoked such an emotional yeah. reaction oh, in me wow. that if I see a baked Alaska on the menu, I like right. have a freak of excitement also because it's like a little bit more rare of a dessert but like i go bananas and i saw my cousin's instagram story that catch steak had a really good looking one and now i'm like i have to go we should go seriously i want to (laughs) i've heard catch is really good food yeah really good food um and then what's the third i don't know you can leave it at two no i really want to go with two um like a cooking class of some sort? Fun. Yeah. Not cooking class. Pizza making class. Very fun. I don't like cooking classes. They're kind of annoying. Did you do the Roberta's one at, no. um, where is it? Brooklyn Kitchen? Mm-mm. Is that the name? Maybe. They do a Roberta's cooking class for pizza. Really? Yeah. No. And I think they, they have a like pizza it, making birthday party and it was so much fun. That's so fun. Yeah. Wild. Is that place still around? Yes. This was it's right next to my seven, eight years ago. Yeah. That's where you live? Yeah, around oh. there. Yeah. Yeah, I had 25 people in there, and we did, like, unlimitless wine and personal pizzas. That sounds amazing. Yeah. And everyone had to wear a headpiece of their choice. I wore a kale hat. <laughs> You're this one was of a kind. Yeah. I think that's when everyone realized <laughs> that I was different. <laughs> different in the best way. Um, thank you so much for being on here. Thank this was you so for fun. having me. For everyone listening, the best place to follow you would be the on Instagram, yeah. The Well Necessities. It'll be in the show notes, and you can get all of the fork the noise and everything in the show notes, yeah. but also through If anyone's interested in Ditch platform. Diets for good, yeah. um, I'll give you the code Ditch Diets is through April, okay. and I'll give you a special code for after that. Oh, yeah. It'll be in the show notes. In the show notes. Thank you so much, Thanks Lisa. for having me. Bye. Thank you all so much for listening to today's episode of Freckled Foodie and Friends. I thoroughly hope you enjoyed it. If you could be so kind, I would greatly appreciate a rate and or review on whatever platform you use to listen to your podcast. Currently, this one's available on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Please subscribe to make sure you're up to date with new episodes coming at you every Friday morning. If once a week isn't enough of me, please follow along on my most active social channel, Instagram. Find me, my unedited videos, recipes, random rants, and info for all my other social channels on there, at Freckled Foodie.